Welcome back. It's Jokerman Podcast again. And here we are again talking about, uh, well, how do I say what we're talking about? We're talking about Bob Dylan Live 1981. Yeah, that's right. Bob Dylan Live 1981. Uh, Earl's in, Court. In London. Earl's Court. Old London Town. Old London Town preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, kind of. Yeah. Mostly. Uh, yeah. I'm Evan. I'm Ian. And we're joined and by, Ian too. yeah, double Wait. Ian tonight. The double shot of Ian. A double, yeah, double shot of. I like that we've just gone into double shot of, <laughs> double shot of love. That's that's just it's a, the shot of X has just kind of like turned into like a brain disease for me recently. You're gonna go into Starbucks one day and just be like, I'll have a double shot of love. I find, and they'll just say, I mean, I they'll say, what do you um. Honestly, like I find myself in day to day conversation, like with my girlfriend who doesn't listen to the pod, or excuse me, my fiance now who doesn't listen to the podcast, or like other people, and I'm gonna just say like, I, like I want to say like shot of X and have someone understand that this is like some stupid running bit, and then I realize like, oh no, they're gonna look at me like I'm an absolute insane person. I'm telling you, even in the music community, it's hard to find a lot of folks who are this uh, who are so interested in Bob. You, f- you you look where the good music is coming out and then you know that they like Bob Dylan. Right, and yeah, if, exactly. If there's bad music coming, this is, you know, an old old saying. Uh, music, uh, how do I it? When the music's good, you know, Bob Dylan is, um, uh, I'm trying to make one of those. Close, le- close by. Yeah, yeah, leaves of three, <laughs> let it be type of uh, <laughs> When the music yeah. is pleasant to thee, you know that Bob Dylan, you will see. Uh, mm-hmm. When the music is bad to hear, you know that Bob Dylan is not near. Beautiful. You have you definitely have a talent. Well done. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, I am like Bob Dylan. <laughs> in some ways. Uh, well, let's just, uh, let's, let's dive in because we've got, uh, we, <laughs> I'm guessing we're going to have, we're going to have one or two tangents that, uh, yeah, that right. take us through. Yeah. Yeah. So we're starting with disc eight of Trouble No More. Um, <laughs> song like 91 or something. Yeah. We did not start with disc one. For our purposes, uh, song one, d- disc one, uh, Slow yeah. Train, and yet... This is not a slow version of Slow Train. It's a pretty fast version of Slow Train as far as versions of Slow Train go. It's chugging along. Yeah. I, once again, I mean, I think as with, um, uh, once, uh, as with, um, uh, what's the first song in the first, uh, Gotta Serve Somebody. It's like a really just kind of like revved up and kind of intense. And there's like kind of like a darkness to the song. Oh, yeah. Like almost kind of like a seductiveness to it. Um, I, I don't know. I just the way the way that he's playing this material right now well, is really. It's very interesting that it comes right on the heels of "Ballad of a Thin Man," a song which you and I don't love so much, but which I, at least last episode, was espousing the virtues of in the context of this religious period, where you really can't help, in, from my point of view, but see the similarities between these two songs, like "Ballad of a Thin Man" and "Slow Train." They have that same kind of like. Uh, finger pointing, like you, you mm. ought to know better type feeling. But slow train, I think, is so much more effective. 
like Gotta Serve Somebody, may, like arguably a better lyric. And this goes well, definitely to, more deliberate lyrics. Yeah. Like, it, that's something you have to think about with Bob and, or any songwriter as they develop. I think when you're a 20 year old writing Battle of Them and then you become the most famous songwriter in the world, like you can definitely get away with and enjoy a lot of success with like some really kind of goofy lyrics. Um, and even now hearing Bob trying to sing, like, you know, back your cow, he doesn't even sing that lyric. He changes the lyric. Is that, like, does he cut that out of, of he changes, he changes it to like, you scream your cow or something right. like that. Yeah. Um, but even that I can tell he feels a little uncomfortable trying to sing his 24 year old, 23 year old lyrics. Right. As you could, because I mean, of course it's like half a century ago but that song is in particular so mean so bitchy so cruel really it's a it's like he's a baby it's like a song where he it's as far as i can understand it's the song about his interactions made infamous and don't look back with various reporters who are grilling him and needling him and the song is basically like a merciless disembowelment of those people it's like and what an unrelatable subject to to like talk about like the press the international press as a subject matter i i think that thin man is like much more focused on like a specific person or like like a few specific people and slow train uh is more like kind of casts a wider eye like looks more at like the world in general and he's still wagging his finger at people certainly but it's not as like hyper focused on one specific like guy or type of guy that has pissed him yeah. off like so like, much. Thin Man's about like the live journal version, but but it's yeah, it's exactly. similar because it, in a way, I don't know. Thin Man also in some way, I think I don't want to give too reductive a reading of it because I think one thing that Thin Man huh. does that's cool and interesting is that it also acknowledges that while the press is stupid and, and completely blinkered and up its own ass, the actual spectacle of, of what they're covering is just as hollow and um, creepy and inhuman almost. It's like full of, it, it, it is kind of a freak show that you have to participate in, like whether it's Hollywood or the music industry. And I think slow train is kind of also casting a, a, a withering glance at the world saying like everything seems so cheap and, and trashy and whether you like it or not, it's it, some real truth is going to come someday. And I've always, all down. yeah. I've always felt like slow train is the more foreboding, um, less sentimental version of hard rain's going to fall. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Slow train yeah, coming hard that. rain's it's, it's more like a like a hardened forty year old version who has kids who he has to pay for his kid education. He has to pay for his wonder about whether his kids are going to succeed or his marriages are going to continue to fail. Right. You know, like that's a different version of like the major key version. I think it's interesting that Bob chooses minor key for all these songs into his religious career because they seem to be the more serious he gets. He's always playing an A minor most oftentimes and just kind of like riding on that and kind of just being a, I don't know. It's a, it, it, to me, it seems like he doesn't care as much about melody in these songs that are so harsh and they're, 
Whereas with Hard Rain's Gonna Fall was like a pure melody. It's like a pop song. Yeah. Not to mention like uh, It's All Right, Ma, you know. Which, these are all these, this subcategory of Dylan's songs that really take an apocalyptic uh, scope and yeah. really are about like the world at large being a cavalcade of misery that is bound to be knocked down by some kind of truth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one song that is decidedly not a, uh, an apocalyptic kind of song is the next one. Uh, next, let's begin, which is, a is this a, I original? love it. Not Jimmy West. This, this is the one cover. Yeah. So this, Jimmy this is extremely springtime in New York vibes right here. It, yeah. It sounds it's, like, it sounds like change. a song that he would have, that, that should have come from the rundown. Like I'm sure there are rundown rehearsal uh, tapes of, of him and this band, you know, kind of cranking this out uh, on, on the rehearsals. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of like a corn. Yeah. Jimmy Webb wrote it. It first released on Leah Kunkel's album, I, I did the with, same research I before. Yeah. <laughs> I run with trouble from 1980. It's just like a complete, like middle of the road, like mid tempo kind of like corny ballad song, uh, as you know, kind of initially put together. But I, I think there's just something about this duet that Bob does. I think that's Clyde King, uh, really handling most of the vocals with him on this. And they're just like, I don't know. It, it sounds, it sounds like such a significant kind of weighty song, even as like corny and basic as it might've been. It is in the the budding their budding romance, right? Like they were having a. I don't know. I don't know if if he was with Clyde before or after Carolyn Dennis. Uh, I mean, they were both in the yeah. band at this time. I, I think the Clyde thing was a little more fleeting. You know, kind of like came and came and went and was done. And then I guess so. Maybe that was happening earlier. And then him and Carolyn Dennis went longer, and obviously ended up having a kid. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely is an intimate kind of sounding performance, uh, on, on this set between the two of them. It's a very hopeful song. It reminds me a little bit of this night won't last forever, mm-hmm. um, sure. from uh, springtime in New York, uh, uh, Le Bounty. Yeah. Bill Le Bounty. Oh, I will say like about let's begin real quick. I think that it's a really beautiful tune, especially because he does his Disney key change at the end. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's key, not something you hear from Bob so too much. And I can tell he's just like, he's like, he's kind of asserting himself as like somebody who can do that. He, and he almost can't like he, you can tell he's like one step away from the voice, just completely giving out after that key change. But he's, yeah. he make he makes it through. He gets all yeah. the way through. It. And he heroically gets through that entire part with it. Yeah. But uh, I want to note that part. It's, it's really, it's, it's like he's walking a walking a tightrope there, which again, like yeah. you gotta be, you just gotta be impressed that like the guy knows the like um, what what he is and isn't capable of enough to the degree where he can take it right up until the edge and like almost just completely you know conk out with the voice, but he like he keeps it together at the end of it. He's yeah. um you know I, really one of the greatest singers. I just based on I that, definitely alone, agree. Just one of the I, I'd be curious to know what time. his limit of what his highest. Highest key actually is. Yeah, I'm sure someone has has like figured like written a ten thousand word like blog post on that. Uh, some expecting rain, um, like flame <laughs> war, has uh, broken out over the yeah. years. Um, yeah, that's an interesting message for us. But yeah. uh, it's it's fun to uh, it's fun to fun to poke around on. I I uh, I was orbiting around it the last. Um, 
a couple weeks when I was looking for the presale code for the Beacon Theater shows mm-hmm. uh, and just like seeing all these these it's like it's like fifteen guys basically and they're just like they all have like twenty thousand posts and they it's 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 it, I I really like it to be honest there's some yeah there's, there's something very kind of quaint about that kind of fan community online that there we've is lost. and yeah I agree I, I I actually enjoy popping in there from time yeah. to time uh, are you you're going to one of the shows right. Ian? I'm going to two, yeah. I'll go to one one at the Beacon and one in Boston because we're touring at the same time. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so we'll, be, we'll have a day off after Philly for one of the Beacon, and then um, we're playing the same night as Bob in Providence. What? You're, 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 <laughs> you're splitting, uh, you're going to be splitting an audience on that one. Well, you're, like, you're, yeah, not, I, you're not the hottest ticket in town that night, unfortunately. You would think so, but I hit up our management, and I was like, guys... Ah oh, shit, we're playing the same night as Bob and Providence. And they're like, you guys already almost sold out the show. But I was like, okay, great, because otherwise we're not selling any, any earlier. We're <laughs> yeah. definitely not selling this is as much as we're gonna do. <laughs> but yeah. I've seen him at PPAC in Providence a couple of times. It's he's amazing there. Is that a, is, is that a cool Providence? I'm completely against yeah. Providence. Yeah, it's like three thousand cap. Oh, nice. um, like yeah, kind of theater. theater kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where he usually plays yeah. if he's not playing any minor league baseball stadiums. Right. Oh. I think those days are past him at this point. But yeah, that's the uh, he used to play the um, um, I forget what they called it. It's the amphitheater in Irvine down down in um, like Orange County. Oh, the, um, the Irvine but, uh, Bowl. Yes, the honestly, Irvine, like, uh, how many bowls are out there? It's called like the Budweiser Amphitheater or something now. Uh, but he also plays um, uh, the Santa Barbara Bowl very often, which is like this beautiful kind of bowl oh, yeah. like amphitheater my built pa- into the my hills. My parents in Santa saw Barbara. Bob at the Santa Barbara Bowl. It's, a great, you, it's a great venue. Yeah. That's how do you guys know each other if you guys live on separate uh, coasts? Well, we used to um, both. Uh, be part of a Bob Dylan um, hentai fanfic uh, Facebook group. Hentai. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were just we went we went to high, high school, school together. Okay, and cool. We we are also uh, coastal sickos who just transit back and forth between New York and uh, California again and again. You never tried. You didn't even try to love New York City, the best city in the world. Uh, listen, I lived there for three years. Yeah, and you and went I to Manhattan five th- times. I went to Manhattan every day of the week because I went to school there and I also worked there. Went to school there too. I know this city like the back of my hand. But you guys are both from California? Both from California. Yeah. I've been listening to Lenny Bruce this entire time that you were t- you guys were talking, by the Lenny way. Lenny Bruce. And, uh, it, one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. All right. Yeah, and I'm a beautiful version. that far. Sorry. <laughs> I, I'm, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Thousands and thousands of songs. It's honestly like, what, like I think when we did our initial like, you know, 100 song countdown, we did another playlist at the same time where we like put all our one star songs on there. And this was one of the one stars. Like this would be in my like top 50 Bob Dylan songs at this point like actual good songs i i i I'd probably just have like a brain hemorrhage or something that's causing me to think like this i think but. that happens to all, all like there's other musicians i talk to who are like this as well who are like i can't really justify how much i can forgive bob dylan for in so many different ways where i can just enjoy every single thing that happens to some degree and exactly. lenny but lenny bruce is not an example of that lenny bruce is a legitimately good song are there other examples you're thinking of? Some versions. Are you, of are you a big uh, ugliest girl in the world fan? Uh, no, <laughs> not. I'm trying to think of like one. I mean, honestly, there's like some tunes like towards 
there's some tunes where I'm just indifferent of, and I think that's the worst version of a Bob Dylan song. Yeah. Like there's some, like the one record, and I know you guys have fought for this record on your podcast before, but together through life, there's a couple, when that record hit, right. when it first came out, I was like, there's not as good as modern times. Yeah. And so but I had a hard time life, with that. Not as good as modern times. Yeah. I mean, it isn't as good as modern no, times, but, but modern times is like one of the best amazing. records that ever put out. It's beautiful. You know who doesn't like modern times apparently so much is uh, Chris Gow. Really? Yeah, he's like, I don't, he he doesn't care for modern I mean, Chris Gow's been negative on Bob since like street legal at this point. I think he doesn't like his voice. Well, that's a big problem. Yeah. yeah. I don't, can't relate. What do rock, what do rock critics know? No, they don't know anything. I, actually, I don't know. I've so. been watching a bunch of those documentaries like where they've, they've got Chris Gow and they got the Dark Prince, Clinton Halen and various other freaks and geeks. This tambourine man is pretty good, huh? <laughs> I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it, it, nice. it proves my theory of that he gets more and more excited as the song goes along. It, yeah, yeah, by the end of it, totally. it really feels like it gets where it needs to go. Yeah, he's like, he's kind of just yelling it behind the beat. And like, did you catch that line reading there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he he's like barely even bothering to sing on this one, but it like it still totally works. Yeah, yeah. Like it's six minutes long. I'll I'll get into it by minute five. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll yeah. catch up to it. <laughs> there by I'll I'll bring it in for a, a smooth landing. Uh, Tambourine Man is one that always like I'm happy to hear. Like you know, we were talking about. Um, uh, uh, Thin Man being one that you know doesn't uh, ever really thrill us, or Rolling Stone, and in, in your case, and Tamarine Man, I think is always like, oh, always a great one. Uh, you know, anytime, anytime throughout his uh, recording, any like era of of Bob, I think t- like it always works for him. It's it um it somehow has avoided that kind of like um. I don't know, trite or like tip or um, predictable kind of um, feeling where you're just waiting for it to be over. So you, you want to, you know, get to what's next and hear yeah. what he's doing. I think the difference between this and Rolling Stone and Bell of the Man is like, it's not quite as riffy, but right. like those two tunes, like there's always a lick or a riff that like are need to be played by the band or right. needs to be performed by him vocally. That's yeah. And with Tambourine Man, like he can do like this thing, like it's a beautiful melody as it is. It's and it's extremely simple circular guitar chord progression. And one thing I love about Bob's tunes and what makes it so easy for him to change his melodies and to make them more interesting is that it's always a circular repetitive process mm. where it's just wonderful to listen to. It's almost like a James Brown tune or something like that, um, where it's just like a, a meditation sometimes, um, like the same exact melody or rhythm or whatever um so like the problem with me with thin man and like rolling stone is like they're just so there's so much expected of them right in terms of like the, the the hook whereas like with tambourine man it's almost that way but he can just do like a very kind of monotonous one note melody reading of the of the melody and it still works really sure. well you yeah. know yeah, it's a little like kind of lighter, just like kind of le- like yeah. more effortless than. Um, yeah, and the birds like kind of led the path for him on that in a weird, yes. funny way. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. I, I think that that version of Tambourine Man has definitely like informed his own versions get, of it. 
You're going to get a, uh, a cameo from my son real quick. Sorry. That's great. No. Welcome to the Jokerman family. You got you got a Bob Dylan fan right there? Uh, not yet. He's definitely not a Bob Dylan fan yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how you doing? This is Lucian. Hi, Lucian. How you this doing, is Evan, Lucian? And this is Ian. Yeah, a different Ian. Yeah. Me. My, my name is also Ian. Yeah, we're talking about Bob Dylan. <laughs> All right, go see your mama. We're going to finish this up. <laughs> welcome welcome to the club, Lucian. Definitely the youngest member of Jokerman Podcast, uh, the, the, the extended family to appear on, on tape. Yeah. So I'm glad. We live, in a, yeah. we live in an apartment, so I tried to keep him out as long as possible. <laughs> you heard me chatting. I can't. I'm glad that he's uh, he's interested in uh, that, that you, you know that, that the fathers and sons sharing an interest in. Well, I'm, <laughs> maybe not quite yet, but I'm sure yeah. he'll get there. <laughs> do you like the song "Solid Rock" from? <laughs> I do like the song "Solid Rock." Man, "Solid Rock" is like one that I don't. I would never want to. Uh, if it came on live, I would just lose my mind. Like. If I saw a live version of it, I would lose my mind. But imagine if he played Solid Rock in 2021. It would be very cool. One thing, well, one thing I've been meaning to. This is a, sort of a tangent, uh, but it just occurred to me. I've been meaning to, to pose this question to uh, anyone on this podcast uh, since the tour got announced. Um, but on the note of Solid Rock being played in 2021, which is probably not going to happen, do you guys have any like? fingers crossed like material that you hope shows up at these shows in a couple weeks. Key West. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like he's got to play Key West, right? It's the rough and rowdy ways tour for the next five and a half years. Yeah. Only until 2024. And then it'll be the next record. uh, The next records tour. Boy. I know. Inshallah. God willing. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for some, like, I'm hoping against hope that there's some street legal material. I don't think that it's going to be very likely, but if he played like no time to think or that'd be so cool. Yeah. Like even like baby stop crying or something just like with this band at this day and age would be so, so incredible. He's got a new band now, by the way. That's yeah. He's got, I saw it. Someone, um, at least has a new drummer. Yeah. So I have the same, I, you know, I, I hope I'm not bringing any, uh, confidentiality laws with our management sorry uh 10 adams management <laughs> but they represent charlie um and i'm told charlie's not on this tour charlie's not on the tour he's not on the tour wow interesting that's wild so it might be a whole new band completely he's man i i mean that's cool but also like if he just completely swaps he's got to have tony with like there's no way tony he must have tony band, right, right yeah at Tony's kind of like his entire musical director for everything, so I hope so. Yeah, and I mean, just like there's, there's almost no way that he could get. I, I just, I feel like anyone else that he brought in to play the bass guitar at this point, like it just wouldn't, like he wouldn't have this sort of like mind meld, like you know, kind of like deeper. No, yeah, connection. and Tony, he plays a bigger role than bass too. Like he's the MD. He does. He tells everybody what to do, right. basically. Right. And not, yeah, I'm not putting anybody down the band they all play their own parts they're all fucking amazing but he's the guy who like the the sound we've all heard for so long from bob i'm sure a lot of it's from bob but a lot of it's from tony 
It's, it's that BDS, that Bob Dylan sounds, also the TGS, the, the Tony Garnier sound. <laughs> BDS and TGS. He's amazing. And he did such a great work on that Steve Gunn record, too. Yeah, so I had just no idea until Steve came in here and was like, yeah, Tony was yeah. on the record. <laughs> so he he, do, he produced his record. I was like, holy shit, that's amazing. Uh, 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 just you like any, a woman. Uh, the, you're hoping for there, Just Like a Woman? No, I mean, the, that's just what he plays next. Oh, what do you what do you want to hear on the 2024 version of his tour? Yeah. It'd be cool to hear uh, "Standing in the Doorway." Standing in the doorway would be good. Um, Boy, I didn't expect you to go to tomb material out of uh, all the all the possibilities. Well, let me think for a second about like what would I really want to hear. Oh, also, I mean, like this kind of goes without saying, but if he if he brought Joker Man back at oh, this point, well, like, insane. are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah, I would, I would. I would love that. Oh my god! Oh, I, I mean, know what I, I would drop dead. Yeah, I mean, geez, what would I like to hear? I I would like to hear um, roll on John. You know what I've really been like feeling though lately? I, like weirdly, like whenever I hear uh, Dylan covers uh, like the the stuff from like Good as I've Been to You or um, World Gone Wrong. Those those songs, it's like it took me so long to get to know those songs, but now that I know them and I know Dylan's versions of them, when I hear them, I'm just like, oh boy, it, I can't. I love this. Like, uh, I love to hear uh, hard times. Hard times. Yeah, oh. yeah. Like, what about when the night comes falling from the sky? The uh, like the. Uh, slower backbeat version of it that's yeah. on the born springtime time, of course if you played born in time born in time would be born great. in time makes some very a lot more sense for this era of him yeah but yeah, yeah tomorrow, time, like you should if absolutely you play, if you play born in time tomorrow night i know i'd be smiling tomorrow night <laughs> oh my or god you're gonna quit me baby good as i've been to you good as i've been to you you're gonna quit me baby good if he I've gets up you. on stage good as i've been to you the curtain the curtain rises the lights go down Froggy, froggy win a courtin. <laughs> what about, yeah, I mean, like if, I mean, I would love to hear Mutineer, as you guys covered recently. Oh, God, yeah. Do you guys see that video of him playing Learning to Fly after Tom died? No. Oh, man, look it up on YouTube. Damn, that was, he, so that was just like, what, four or five years ago, right? That was it was right after Tom died, he covered Learning to Fly. Whoa, that's so And cool. it's on YouTube, like somebody's, like one person's phone, and it's, Never been. There's definitely not a better recording of it, but right. it's a beautiful version of it. It's like Tom. Or it's it's Bob, like in his current stage, doing learning to fly. It's beautiful. In this, just like a woman that plays. There's a part where he goes like, I don't know exactly what he says. But he's like, you know, you even you seem just like a. Do you know what I mean? He says something like. Something like just like a woman. And it, yeah, it, I know what you're talking. I don't know off the top words. of my head, but I yeah. It's pretty great. Again, like sort of like like just speak singing at certain points. Yeah. yeah. And he's doing his extreme Bob Dylan version of himself doing the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 a beautiful thing. I love him. Uh just like a woman, another, you know, classic uh classic cut from the classic catalog that I'm always happy to hear. It's good, but I, I still just like a woman is one that I think has not You're been, not a just like one the one a just like a woman fan. Oh no, I'm a huge fan, but I don't think it's been bested. I think the original ver- the oh record, like off the record the record sure. the most ten the record that one and the one on like 
That, that's it. Live 66. Yeah, I, it's mm-hmm. one that... Bad version. It, the, it's, it's, it's paradoxical, but when he's younger and he sings this song, I think it has, like, uh, it accesses a more believable sense of, like, world-weary uh, love... Uh, what's the word? What am I thinking of? Yeah, you know, I, I know. Part, it, like, it's it, cool that he would have written this song and had as this a young attitude man, as yeah. a 25 year old. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, it actually yeah. comes across a little bit more like uh, straight to the old corazon than in uh, this version, which every subsequent version is a little hammed up. Right. Yeah. Well, the first version is like, first version and the subsequent, like the live 66 version is they're both very intentional and they're both very meaningful and right. he really he really i think he still has an emotional connection to the person he's talking to yeah whereas at so. this point like it's just like it's a pop song it has a chorus has a verse yeah. like the yeah. lyrics all make sense together and as a songwriter at that point you're like this is a good composition but before that it's like you know bob talking to somebody he's in love with yeah or upset with or ignoring or bitter towards yeah well, a song that was um, uh, recently written uh, at this moment in time and that Bob really had a, d- a deep connection with and an emotional um, um, uh, lodestar for him is the next song, perhaps. Um, this song is called Watered Down Love. You don't want to love that's pure. You don't want to love that's pure. You want to drown love. You want to water. You want to drown love. You want to water. You want to water down love. You don't want to love that's pure. You want it's one that's drowned and watered down. The intro to this song is so good. <laughs> I don't know if it's on purpose. And like, if this is how it was rehearsed, that the band comes in you as he's in the middle of talking about pure. it. You want to drown love? You want to water down? <laughs> or, or if he just if they just did this and barreled ahead without listening to hearing, listening to him talk on the mic. Well, but you know, it, you whatever know the case is, you know where this fantastic. song came from. Is is where when, it from? Well, he was in London and he was having tea, which is what they drink there, and he said. Mm. This tea is not strong. I want strong tea. And then he thought, well, what if tea is like love? Mm-hmm. I, I want to, <laughs> you want to drown. Lo- Some people don't want uh, full uh, bodied tea. They want uh, weak watered down I, tea. And then he thought, what if I put it, thought about love? I, I realized I forgot to mention this on the on the Springtime in New York episodes with Haydn, but there's there's a whole other, much like there's the change trilogy where there's a cycle of change. There's also the love trilogy that exists now with Price of Love, Shot of Love, and Watered Down oh, yeah, Love. Price of the, love. Pri- the Price it's of Love up, is folks. going up. You want a shot of love, but the Price of Love is going up, so you must settle for watered down a watered love. down love. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Wow. It's all connected. The love trilogy. The love and the, trilogy. And the change trilogy, why did you guys leave out Changing of the Guards? Oh, because... Uh, Ooh, uh, that's a good point. Well, because it's a trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, for another time. <laughs> I was just like, what the hell are they doing? What do you mean? Did you actively leave that song out? I I did not actively leave it out. I, I think it's because changing there is, is acting as a challenge, okay. right? Yeah. And the other ones, it's acting as a, I think it's an adjective, right? Times... Things have they changed. Are changing. Times they changing are changing. Changing up the guards. Yeah. It, it should be in there. Yeah. It's, well, it's we've par- been owned on our own podcast. Thank you, Ian. Change quadrilogy. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I'll just make official that 
changing of the guards happens in between um which would happen in between um after i think it would happen after things have changed things have changed so now there's a changing of the guards yeah right it's sort of a um footnote to the change trilogy it's kind of the period on on the the cycle of change it is, is a this is what finalizes it it is a comment upon it is sort of the talmud the talmudic text that is re- <laughs> commenting upon the uh well now you're blasting we're we're come on we're in christian era bob we're not it we're not <laughs> we're not there yet <laughs> Christians love the Old Testament. It's where they get all their uh, their ideas. Hmm. <laughs> uh, Water Down Love. Great song, great version. I love it. I don't know what to say. You don't want to love that's pure. You want to drown love. You want, you want to water down love. <laughs> you want to water down love. Yes, you do. You know you do. Yes, you it's do. A, you know you do. It's another song that has Bob extending his vocals like into when he does those long singing moments. Yes. Like uh, that's what that that's what I think is so good from this period, where or from him in general, where I feel like what makes him an outstanding singer is mm-hmm. when he just does those long standing, which like as you know, it's not that's not an easy thing to do. He's got <laughs> it's. He gets made fun of as a singer all the time by a bunch of dorks. But yeah, anyone who doesn't recognize him as just like one of the all-time greatest talents as a singer is just I mean, yeah. You, know, you can just put put them right on the pay no mind list. Yeah, his his lung capacity is insane. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the guitar on this also, you know, sounds like it's being played, you know, by Chuck E. Cheese's band or something. <laughs> in but in the great in the greatest way possible. That's disbanded. <laughs> Um, Forever Young You know a song that just Slides right into that Religious context that we yeah. Sort of have here and um, I don't know I, I feel like I should mention that I saw the new James Bond movie today Okay Because we're talking about a show from Jolly Old England And um, James Bond is Forever Young because he's Constantly being played by a new actor. I don't know why. I just really want to see old actors. I, I want yeah. to just talk about that. Spoil, spoil the ending of the movie. You can't go for you can't it. Spoil you're, the ending on the people are gonna. You're get not gonna hurt me. Yeah, but it's gonna be a minute before this comes out, right? It's gonna be like uh, a week. Yeah, well, it's it's the last Daniel Craig James Bond movie. I think you're gonna extrapolate what the plot is from that. <laughs> okay, how that how it ends. Oh. I I could say it, but. I don't want to have to make you guys edit the episode. So I was I was happy that the James Bond Association they really went for it with this uh, ending of this picture, <sighs> and I was Fantastic. thinking like you know Dylan kind of is doing something here with this song where it's like it's a big bold like heartfelt gesture that sometimes it feels corny if you if you aren't coming at it in the, right the fast version. The fa- well the fast version is yes. no good you know. It's not bad, but... It's not bad. It's like a band jam. Yeah. It just robs it of some of its uh, gravitas. As we were talking about earlier, you know, this this is a good example of a song that is, like, bold and fearless, really, in in its earnestness and in its clarity. And this is a song that doesn't care that it's kind of sappy or feels a little bit like I'm making kind of like a tearjerker statement. It's actually just kind of owning that, he is letting it have that room to breathe, and 
the rest of the songs can be like multi-layered and have a little bit more to chew on. But this one is just one that, as, as I said before, it aims for the heart. Yeah. It's like, I think especially like one thing that Bob said, he started doing towards the end of the nineties is that he stopped writing allegorically and he started just writing literally. And right. I think that's like, especially as a songwriter, it's really inspirational. I think that started in these types of songs where when you're 25 to 30 years old, you, and you're reading Burroughs and you're reading Rimbo and you're, you're trying to get into your, uh, you know, the more absurd side of your mind as a writer or a reader, I think it makes more sense to read into Bob's material at that point in time. But I think um, as you become more acclimated to the world, um, his newer stuff, and then reaching back to this stuff, to Forever Young, even to Knocking on Heaven's Door, even to multiple, like even to Slow Train Coming, even to like these things are more um, uh, universal, even if they seem... Uh, less approachable from some perspectives. I think they're, they, they become more significant. Yeah. There's no need to sort of, um, hide isn't exactly the right word, but there's no need to like sort of, um, you know, rely on, um, uh, like, uh, all this like sort of not trickery isn't even the right word, but like, you know, just like he, he can do away with all the excess shit and just like feel fully confident in, uh, you know, the, the sentiment and his ability to put it across and, you know, related in just the simplest, most straightforward uh, language. Um, and, uh, and obviously it, 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 he, he feels confident in that for a reason because he's maybe the greatest songwriter of all time. This version yeah. also should note fantastic harmonica solo in the middle. Not a mm-hmm. lot of, not a lot of harmonica on this, uh, on this set, but that, that like minute, minute and a half kind of in the middle of this, he's just, he's blowing He's having a great time. Sounds great. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's tough. I, and it's tough for me to imagine him at this point in time where like, as you were saying in previous episodes where the onset of Bruce Springsteen and Tom Petty, who are like giving some major hits in such plain spoken language. Right. And he's just starting to have to, face that in some strange way yeah. where like these like he's meeting like his uh acolytes and they're kind of doing better than him and he's deciding to do all these uh other strange christian songs but he's got these tunes i think that he's armed with throughout the 60s and 70s where besides all the absurdist lyric stuff he still has plenty of tunes even straight through john wesley harding and through national skyland that are just like straight up beautiful songs yeah totally. Uh, James Bond passes away at the end of the film. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got to put a disclaimer yeah, on that. I mean, uh, I'll be, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just uh, bleep. Everyone it. who's mad, hey. uh, you can tweet at Evan. His, uh, his handle is in the bio on Twitter. No, uh, I will probably cut this part out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Edit this as much as possible. Make me laugh. So. Um, well, we're getting uh, we're getting close to the end here. Just a couple uh, a couple couple more Christian uh, tracks, and then just a real uh, one two three punch of some of the all time favorites here to close things out. Uh, when you gonna wake up and in the garden together here? Interesting, uh, interesting, interesting couple tracks. In- introduction to, to ch- in the garden, here. especially. Well, we won't we won't forget about the introduction, but that's in probably terms of, 
most that's, important part. Yeah, of it, the it absolutely podcast. is the most important thing. Uh, but these two, I think, like I, these are interesting choices as far as I'm concerned because these are not some of the like even within the Christian material, which obviously is thought of as maybe um, you know not uh, the most fond material of a lot of Bob fans, uh, and certainly not like the most. Um, uh, timeless material for a lot of folks. Like even within that material, these particular songs I think are not really uh, even at the even towards the higher end of of just that subset of Bob material. Um, they're not ones that I think of necessarily. You know, uh, first uh, first couple tracks come to mind when I think of the Christian era. But I, once again, I think that this um, iteration of them I think is is really nice, especially the when you're going to wake up, which is just got this like kind of like like halting like kind of funky like skittering beat to it it's i don't know it's so much fun i think that's what like makes it what why he chose these tunes though is that because they're so performable by his band right and i think that's what is he was not expecting you or i to talk about it on a podcast in 60 50 years (laughs) he was he was expecting like to please a crowd of thirty thousand people who are listening to him sing christian songs um, and I think that's what's so what should be so noted about this exercise is that it's a like he's thinking about what works well with his band and his like giant rock songs, even the Christian rock songs, is what works well. Right. And sometimes in the garden is, for example, is a very interesting choice because I think he believes in the song itself, and then the band tried their hardest to elevate it into. A cool rock song. Right. This version with Keltner on the drums, this is probably the standout Keltner moment of the whole thing. It's so like fucking sexed up. Like he is just going crazy <laughs> with those. Oh yeah. The rotor toms are insane. He's he's making it like a uh, absolute uh spectacle of this song. It is very good. And uh yeah, I, really I, cool. I I I don't know, you listen to this stuff and you think like, oh of course they picked this period to really showcase and to be the finale of this bootleg series because it has, uh, it leaves you feeling if you listen to this whole thing, you're kind of just like, well, who are these people who went to see this and left disappointed? And I'm sure maybe the, some of the earlier shows for like slow train and before the shot of love material was introduced, it probably was a little bit of a bummer when he was kind of saying like, you're going to go to hell all the time. Um, but like this show is, is really an engaging and fun mix of, of rhetoric and, and music in a way where that doesn't feel like the, um, it's not beating you over the head with it. And, and the, the actual playing is just so engaged and engaging. Yeah, he's just, he's having fun with it at this point, I think. And like just the, the, the band's energy and the overall vibe that they're putting across the song selection, which switches so effortlessly, I think back and forth between the classics, the new Christian shit or the post Christian shit, you know, the like watered down love kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, um, like it's a, it's, um, it's the right way to present this material. I think he's not being sort of like didactic and, uh, hectoring the way he was in the 79 and 80 tours and only sticking with the exclusive Christian shit. Like, I think this is really like the, the, the ultimate, like the apotheosis, like the ultimate kind of expression of this particular era of Bob. And I don't know, I've said it, I, I think I said it in the last episode, but it, it's just a shame that he hung, hung it up touring for 82 and 83 because if he kept this band together and kept 
working on this and started especially integrating like some of the early infidels material into this kind of oh, shit, this yeah. sound like like imagine this band playing joker man or like sweetheart like you or something like man that would be fucking well, what's so, yeah what's shit. so different too about like his vocals on infidels and all the infidels outtakes and this stuff there's a big difference to me for some reason like one of the one of the things that i found from the infidels outtakes on springtime in new york and listening to them on youtube for a couple of years and listening to infidels for a long right, time on his own yeah is that like he just seems like he like barely wants to sing the words so he's yelling them like constantly right where like with this stuff it seems like he's just like he's singing from like his chest and his gut and maybe it's because it's still devotional to him or something like that and he doesn't seem very cynical but it seems like he's just like pre and joker man as beautiful as a song it is and i think it's an incredible song it's like it does seem like it's approaching some cynicism for him again of the 80s right and how it relates to people in the 80s and finance and the economy and all that stuff. I think it all relates. And I mean, it's nothing better than I don't care about economy. I don't care about astronomy. <laughs> same. same honestly. He cares a lot about it. He you talks know, a lot about astronomy. It's no wonder that he loves that, uh, that stupid girl in, um, that song. Straight A's in love. Straight A's in love. He's like, you don't know how to read. <laughs> You think There's England's like so in Spain? Many. Yeah, I don't care about it. Sean, I mean, yeah, what he doesn't say Literature. in that song Horrible. is that she is, uh. um, she is a convert and she loves the Lord, and so it doesn't matter that she thinks two plus two is seven, uh, or whatever uh, he says. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he does. The best it. lyric um, is "You don't know how to read." <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's a crazy thing to say in a song without expecting anybody to notice it. <laughs> uh, I love that track. Well, next he goes uh, in the garden. I want to donate. <laughs> donate. I want to um, to uh, what's the word? Uh, dedicate. dedicate this song. To yeah, the intro to George. George Harrison, who uh, was in. <laughs> right. uh, was, I called him up today. Was he in was his own in garden. His garden. So. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> here's the song in the garden. I called George uh, Harrison today because he's an old friend of mine. He was out in his garden. So I'm going to dedicate this to him. He's not here right now. When they came for him in the garden, did they know? About Jesus Christ. I love yeah. that. That's so good. Well, my friend has a garden. Uh, he was a, in the Beatles. You might know him, so. <laughs> he wouldn't come to my show tonight in London. Yeah, where yeah. He, where where, where, where was George? Why didn't he? Why didn't he show up? Maybe that was on? a bit of a dig. Like my friend who's uh, lives a mile away and uh, a ki- a kilo they call it over there. Kilometer. Well, it's like when when he dedicated a song to Leonard Cohen in Montreal. Right. Yeah. You know. I think Bob has a thing. It's like, is my favorite guy still here? Yeah. Is he not here? Why isn't he here? He's keeping track of who show who who he put down on the list and who actually took the, who actually showed up at the yeah. box office. But in the garden, as it is, into the band introduction period is really what we should be talking about. Yes. Yeah, the band. So the band, uh, like the band introductions, like we might as well just get there because I think that's like the the funnest thing uh, that's on this entire set. Is like. I, I don't know that I've ever heard, I, like, I, I will be the first one to admit, like, I'm not as encyclopedic on Bob Bootlegs throughout the years as, you know, certainly many of our listeners or, you know, the Expecting Rain kind of people or probably even you, Ian. But, like, I don't know that I've heard Bob 
like introduce the band and introduce the band the way that he does in this particular moment in time where he's like cracking jokes with the audience uh, and he, like he's done that just like he d- he's done that but maybe more so later I'm not the biggest expert on this either I'm not either to be honest with you I, like I've, I've seen Bob seven or seven to nine times and I've never heard him speak I think once. in the eighties right. yeah, exactly there that's what I'm used to later eighties shows where he did some there's that one where he was like really on one you, do you know the one I'm talking about where he's like he's really hamming it up in like kind of an uncharacteristic way. It was during the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers tour, I think. That was like, he started drinking a lot. Yeah. (laughs) He started being cool and having a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Stop being so Christian. Hitting that Bob sauce. He was having a shot of love. He was having a shot at Heaven's Door. Yeah. He started getting that uh, that late 80s, early 90s. He was having a shot of like lukewarm Jack, actually. Yeah. He was a big Scotch fan, if I remember that Clinton Halen biography correctly from over the pandemic. <laughs> he uh, and Lou both Scotch boys. It's true. Yeah, they were. They were. They both, uh, as their forties approach, had to had to take a break. But yeah, it's it's really funny. It's it is funny because he he almost approaches like his current stage of like clowning in a weird way, where he he makes fun of the idea of introducing the band yeah. by deciding, should I introduce the rest of the band <laughs> after introducing team or a couple members of that's the band? Enough. That's enough. We don't have to introduce the rest of them. That's enough of them. And then he jokes that one of them is Leon Russell, which apparently was not. Not actually Leon Russell. <laughs> it's just a weird, I'm sure he wasn't expecting people to talk about this. Yeah. Many years later, but it's a uh, it's I, I like seeing that because to me it like makes me see Bob as like he um, is coming out of his Christian period and playing a bunch of secular music and um, just being like I'm gonna have some fun with like making fun of my band who wholly depend on me for their credibility. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is the weirdest part is like is like if you have if you feel any responsibility towards it, being a band leader is like. If somebody depends on me for their credibility, I'm going to shout them out. But he was like, do I need to do that? Probably not. <laughs> Just dunking on them. Yeah it's, yeah. it's goofy. I mean, this is Bob. This is Bob the entertainer. And like he's clearly yeah. enjoying being an entertainer. Like that song, The Entertainer by Billy Joel. Do you know that song? Mm. <laughs> it's it's about Bob Dylan. I am the entertainer and I know just where I stand. Or like that show tune, the entertainer. Yeah, it's a yeah. Pretty. That's that's <laughs> the one that's actually about Bob. Yeah. Uh, God. You might cover that one. Rough and Rideaways tour. <laughs> you don't know the song, the entertainer. I do. I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a Joel fan. Honestly, Joel <laughs> Joelerman. That's what we'll do next. <laughs> I think you're gonna lose some not, not just uh, <laughs> piano men. You ever hear that? Billy Joel tried to live in the Dakota and was denied. <laughs> that's that's I did not hear I'd that. heard that. That's hard. That's hard to live with. I am the entertainer. What's next? What do we have to close out? What's rap? Blowing in the wind. Oh, well, so at this point, the crowd uh, is treated to just solo Bob. 
the the band is left. He, he kind of complains about it. He's too. like, not, oh, I'm I'm all alone. <laughs> I'm so small. Not blown in the wind. No, no, no. Blown in the wind is still the whole band. Okay, never mind. Yeah, yeah. This one is there, and, and it actually starts without without Bob even on I the see. song. It's just the back. It's just the backing uh, singers, and then Bob. So this is the finale. Rather, I I got messed up. Exactly. Yeah. This is the start of the encore, uh, and um, the yeah they just kind of like take it slow at the beginning. It's just like this kind of dramatic gospely kind of sound uh, to the song at the beginning. And then uh, Bob comes in, I think the second verse basically, or the start of the first verse, but after the kind of chorus comes through and is just in full Bob mode. Yeah. Uh, and you've got like the, this is the backup singers the most going Bob full sounding vocal that you're going to get on the entire thing. The backup singers are doing this like really full, like it seems like they practice this one the most. Yes. Yeah, and Bob is just answer is blowing in. It's good, I, and, and it has that religious fervor. This one's really blown out. This is like as big and fat out. as it gets. The singing is pretty bad <laughs> of by the backup <laughs> singers, but like you know, that's. I uh, put, what I love about this version of the song is like how like it's almost like a metal song. Yes, yeah, it and really like, does. Yeah, it could be like a I don't know, like Iron Maiden or something. X, X metal, like or X, like yeah, early aughts, like huge metal the, band. Uh, Keltner's uh, on the kick drum just sounds like he's gonna just like go through the fucking drum with the pedal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like talk point. about the failure of the recording. Like holy crap! Like they, it's mostly Keltner <laughs> and Bob. Uh. Well, blown in the wind. You know we love we love to hear it. Uh, and then uh, just two more to to wrap it up. It's all over now, baby blue. This is where the band ditches him, and Bob uh, remarks on being thrown right. up there on the stage. I just want um, to say before we move on, blown in the wind. It's it's just strange, you know, like a song that it's honestly kind of more powerful, and it's just a guy strumming on a guitar. But when it when it's blown out this hard, and it's like this intense. You either meet it at that level or you just, it doesn't work for you. Have you heard Neil's version? Yeah, that's yep. that's the best version, the best like live cover. It's pretty, pretty beautiful. It's, the, it's yeah. the best version apart from, I think, Bob's like original acoustic version of the song. And even this version, as good as it is, it does not approach that Neil version with Crazy Horse. I don't think so, too. Yeah, I think that Neil version with like his, his reverb delayed out electric it's black so, beauty it's so Les Paul is pretty amazing and and i yeah. just love that i've said this like at least five times on the podcast but the the thing he does with the harmony there where it like descends and he makes it into that sort of more like plaintive uh blowing in the wind is mm. uh just very like emotionally gets me We've already discussed this exact thing I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, Maybe like, at, like, <laughs> definitely, like at least three times. We should definitely hang out then. Well, it's it's like it's one that's stuck with me, and I think I I still will point people to that one as that's the best version of that. That song. Yeah, I showed that version from some band members when I was in Van Tice and Andronicus, and they showed me that version of it. So there's a Bob Dylan Neil rivalry. Titus Andronicus. It wasn't Tyson Jones yet. How did I? I didn't realize that either. What? Oh yeah, I yeah I played. Um, I was on that record airing of grievances and the monitor. You're, You're on, on the monitor. monitor? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, man. Wow. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like the only other one of the only other Bob <laughs> insane fans that I know is Patrick. Well, he said that "Groom Still Waiting at the Altar" was his favorite song, right? He told me "Shadow Love" is what he thinks will be the next desire as it's revisionist history. Wow. Well, he's and this is like wrong, early I 2020. I hope, I hope he's right because if there's a record that actually deserves it, it's not "Desire." It's "Shot of Love." Yeah, no, he's he's a huge. Honestly, I, I tried to get him on to Mississippi, like in two thousand and eight, two thousand and seven, and he like wouldn't get down with New Bob at that point. But well, he eventually came around. Let's try to get him on the show. Yeah, totally. Should. I'll text him. Yeah, I think yeah. mean, he's he loves Bob for sure. Anyone who says that their favorite uh, Bob song is Groom Still Waiting on the Altar is uh, <laughs> is clearly uh, given some yeah, thought to uh, th- to the man in his catalog. Maybe the oh, most yeah. impenetrable lyric in Bob's entire career. Apart oh, from yeah. I mean, I I gonna... in creation where man's honor neither. I don't know. Uh, you got some opinions about comparing Anne Frank to the Rolling Stones and that. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking today, did he he doesn't say James Bond in I Contain Multitudes, does he? No, he says he says Indiana oh. Jones. I'm just like in, I'm right. just like Anne Frank. Like James <laughs> I'm just like James Bond. <laughs> like Indiana But there was a faction in the band when I was in the band that was like kind of Neil versus Bob in a weird way. Wow. Like and there was another dude in the band, Andrew, who was a huge Neil fan. Um, um, and I was like a huge Bob fan then. And But he turned me on to all the cool Neil stuff that I now love, including that versus Blood in the Wind. You don't, you know, that Neil versus Bob, you don't need to how about Neil. Bond you, Neil on and the tracks. Bob. How about, Jane, how about Bond on the tracks? How about Bond <laughs> on Bond? Bond on Bond. <laughs> you just let that one lie in there. Well, there's that pretty good newer um, Iggy Pop song where he goes, I want to be a James Bond. I love that one. It's, yeah, it's, it's very funny. Recent Iggy Pop too much. It's pretty good, honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, it's all over now, baby. Blue. I'm just, before we go by this point, I just want to uh, paint a picture in your mind of, of Dylan writing... Um, I'm just like James Bond, like Indiana Jones, and then looking at the lyric sheet and going, I don't know, and crossing out James Bond and putting Anne Frank in there. <laughs> Those bad boys. That's pro- that's probably how that went. Yeah. Somewhere yeah. there's a crumpled up piece of paper in a landfill that's, it says, uh, I'm just like James don't Bond. Worry, Mal, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's all over now, baby blue. Good song. I don't know that it's fun to hear Bob playing alone. I think this is the only solo song that he does on the entire set, uh, where it's just him and the guitar, you know, without the rest of the band. So it's a nice kind of refreshing change of pace here at the end. I, you know, maybe not like a, a revelatory version of Baby Blue, not the one that I'm going to reach to. You know, that's yeah, fine. Yeah, it's 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 fine exactly. But like, I'm sure like if you were at this set and you've been just jamming for two hours, and then you get to the end of this, and here's Bob alone on stage, just the acoustic guitar, and he's doing Baby Blue. Like you're gonna like, come on, you're gonna lose your shit. It's gonna be amazing. The crowd yeah, is wild. It's funny that the crowd goes wild. I don't I don't know why, but for some reason over the years, I've always like. I used to love this song so much and I've heard it in so many iterations. Right. That like there's just so many other tunes that I wish would be the encore song. Right. For any set. Yeah, I, I like, know what you mean. Like there's just so many different 
deep cuts. Oh, but on that point, what we get next is pretty spectacular. To close yeah. out the whole thing, getting uh, back, <laughs> crazy lo idea. And behold, we get the <laughs> reggae-fied version of knocking on heaven's door, but like a new reggae, like because we've had reggae-fied versions of heaven's well, door from in the Budokan. past. And this is like a new, differently reggae-fied version of heaven's door. It's pretty similar to the Budokan version. It's, it's very rehearsed, similar, too. but it's like there's a guitar solo in this, and it's different, and like it's. I don't know. It's 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 got its own distinct flavor, and yes, very yeah. rehearsed, but but fun. I think like it's, super fun. Yeah. But the song that Keltner said he cried while they recorded it, while they're it? playing for the pat. Yeah. No <laughs> Did you say that? Packer and the Billy the Kid movie. They watched. They were watching oh, the scene well, on the film. That's different. Keltner was on the original version of Heaven Store. Yeah. Wow. And they were watching on the screen while they're recording it, oh, and Bob was very, singing that's it so live. Sweet. And he said he wept while he was recording the drums. Like the only track he wept for recording the drums for. Incredible. And now he's playing it in a reggae style. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. A, maybe not uh, worthy of weeping uh, quite as much. Uh, we gotta get yeah. Keltner on the on the show. He's he's so. Well, let's talk to uh, Sam and Rado and get him to I mean, just, get them to put I us would, in touch. I, I don't know that he'd be interested. It just seems like he's such a cool and honest. He loves to talk about guy. Bob for sure. Let's see, like Connor Opers. I think he's talked to uh, Ray Padgett, um, you know, that uh, that uh, flagging down the double E um, sub stack that he does with all the uh, interviews like John Worcester did uh, before. So, you know, it's, it's he seems fun. to truly love Bob's like as much as people talk kind of shit about Bob. Um, he seems to think Bob is a very generally great dude and had a great time touring with them. Yeah. Maybe it's because they're in some kind of sober period. Yeah, but this guitar solo on this is really nice. Wow, it's beautiful on Heaven's Door. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, I told good. you, it's, it's it's got its own. It's, it's got its own flavor. This is here. a great closer. Yeah, yeah. Just bringing it home. It's a lot of fun. There's a really nice harmonica solo here towards the end of this too. Bob brings the harp back. Like it's it's everything you want. You at know this the point, the best you know? Bob Dylan songs. They kind of like I don't know something people don't talk about enough. The evocative quality of them. Like when you listen to certain Dylan songs, you imagine like a beautiful landscape or like a little town with its lights twinkling in the distance. You know, he's got just like a way with like making music that feels like it's of the world, of the land. This is one of those songs. And specifically that song of like, it, this song is just a simple lyrics. It's, it's exactly what he wants. Yeah, yeah. music that like, can, connects to memories that and, yeah. and connects to ideas of like uh, the, the simple pleasures of life. It doesn't get much better than the reggae version of Knocking on Heaven's Door, <laughs> does it? <laughs> it might get better, but we're not there yet. We'll find out in this next four years of this tour, I guess. Yeah. Oh, please bring back a reggaefied uh, Heaven's Door. I'll be happy if he does a reggae anything. Oh. Reggae uh, version of um, Murder Most Foul. <laughs> I, d- I don't. I don't think he can play Murder Most Foul. I think it's just. Too- I think he will. You, th- you think he'll play it? I think he'll play it. Yeah. I hope he does. I, I mean, it I is. Would, I mean, I would lose my shit. It if gives he did. you a little bit of hope, thinking, you know, okay, this is the uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways tour. Like they went out of their way. You're making a very, a very specific point that he's like, and he's also choosing the entire band that wasn't on the album to go on tour, which is hilarious and very Bob Dylan. But I would imagine like that he's putting that in front of you as a way to tell you that you're 
going to hear probably at least half or more of the set of those songs. I honestly can't imagine, like, I can't believe that, like, we're going to hear Bob play Rough and Rowdy Way's material live in just, like, a couple weeks of this. But, like, it feels like it's been, like, such a long time coming. It, ha- it like, has. It's so... At the very beginning of the pandemic. It, on, yeah, in the very beginning of this stupid show. Like, it, we started this, like, a week before <laughs> that before that record even came out, and it was like... Oh man, a lot, a lot has happened since then. <laughs> in, yeah, in I need to hear. I'd pay to hear Murderhouse Pal hear intermission and then the rest of the show. Yes, and that would be a great way to do it. So let's just get a thirty-five minute extended. How about, take how about we just get Murderhouse Pal and then and then just Key West end of show? I'm good with that too. I'd be happy with it. With Lenny Bruce at the end, Ooh, and then Lenny Bruce the on court, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Straight A's in Love. <laughs> yeah, just for me. <laughs> Ian, thank you for coming on, and uh, also oh, thank, thank you. you also, guys. also, thank you, Ian. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is the second yeah, time we've had on the show. A double shot of Ian. This is the second yep. double Ian episodes that we've done. There's some more Ians you guys should get in touch with. Well, we should have Ian, we should have other Ian again on too. We should have Ian Ian uh, Spinonius on. Spinonius. Once more. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess there's probably other. Uh, if Ian McCulloch should come on uh, from the Bunnymen. Yeah. But uh, that's Let's get my Ian Mackay. Let's get all the Ians. Nah, I don't know about Mackay. <laughs> I'm not sure how much he would have much to say on this subject. Oh, but he yeah. loves talking about stuff publicly. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, uh, Ian, for Thanks, wasting guys. hours of uh, your time with us. Yeah, it was uh, great. The kids are both in bed. They're, they're, everybody's happy. We've wasted our time as well. I just want to point that out. That, well, yeah, edit out anything that sounds dumb. No, no. It'll all be me <laughs> talking over you. That's what we have to edit out. You guys are wonderful. Listen to I love your podcast. We are uh, we are uh, are thrilled to hear it, and we are fans of yours, both as a visual and music artist. Uh, you're a, well, a, a a rare double threat on uh, Jokerman podcast. What do you want to plug, Ian? What, yeah, tell us tell oh, the listeners sure. what to do. Well, uh, we're playing the Fillmore in San Francisco. Oh, um, with Delta Spirit, with where Ian Delta lives. Delta Spirit. I when, when are you and when you be here? few short weeks early november i i i, sh- I should come through well, yeah please i'll be on the guest SF. list hell yeah yeah absolutely no problem you i'll, I'll send you my t- uh, my phone number and then evan uh we're playing a couple shows at webster hall oh boy when you should come through for them uh right around bob's right after bob's run at the beacon let me know what days of the week yeah, man. You come to any show. Um, but yeah, we're going to tour Delta Spirit for the month of November. That's terrific. Um, That's sick. Across the states, mostly major cities, but uh, specifically, one of them sold out in New York, but the other one's not. So happy, come through in New York. Delta Spirit is still kicking. And, and it's like their uh, it's their reunion tour that was been delayed for two years wow, now. That's so. terrific. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. Let's hang out. Let's do it. Until next time. The Joke Men Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> I will take this back.